If you are following along in your Bibles and you brought your Bibles today, we'll have a few various texts. One will be Matthew chapter 2, and I'll pick out a few scriptures out of that. There'll also be a reading, uh, and I'll try to draw our attention to Romans chapter 11. Um, There'll be a verse there as well as uh, Revelation chapter 4. So if you're kind of marking areas in your Bible, please mark those areas, um, and I'll do my best to kind of get us there. Amen? Yeah, all right. So the psalmist uh, in Psalm 145, he writes this, all your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty of your glory and your reign. Is that what's happening this Christmas for us? Are we in that position where we're putting ourselves into that place of praise? And I think we are in in many ways. Uh, Are we talking about his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? Well, we just prayed that prayer. Are we giving examples of his power? Well, that's a big question, Mark. Um, Are we examining the the glorious, mighty deeds he's done? Well, I hope so today. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word which illuminates our path. Father, we give you glory. We thank you for the birth of Christ. We thank you for the worship today, Lord, that you would draw us closer into that. Lord, you are the babe born in Bethlehem whom we worship. And Father, who we remember has done incredibly more than we could think, hope, or imagine. And so, Father, we pray healing over our congregation today. We pray for mercy and and grace, and Father, that your will would be done. Father, we thank you that you tell us in your word, Jesus, that it is impossible to walk this life out without offense. And yet with you, God, you are are the, the righteous one who gives us the ability to live in your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been fascinated by a song. How many of you realize I've been singing songs throughout the Advent season? Anybody remember? Well, I've been, I'm, I turned a little contemporary to 2021, and I, I've been fascinated by this song. Um, and the, the premise of the song is Revelation chapter 4, and it talks about the song that never ends. And it, and, and it cries out, holy, holy, holy. How many of you realize that in heaven, it, there will never be a day in which God does not hear continuously Holy, holy, holy. In Greek, the hagios, 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 kyrios, hotheos, hopentecator. Do you speak Greek? Some of you are like, well, that was Greek to me. Um, The reality is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Along with the psalmist, the kingdom of God comes and it's about worship. Holy, holy, holy. See, it's the prelude to an encounter that the Apostle John comes into when he moves into this revelation of what really takes shape around the throne of God. And in this place, there is incessant worship for living creatures, elders, and, and, and the believers crying out, holy, holy, holy. Glory to God in the highest. Right? Right? Essentially, what, Matt, what Luke writes to us in two, glory to God in the highest. 
but with a caveat. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. See, he moves the throne of God from the throne of God into the presence of the incarnate world. Christ comes to the earth. And this holiday season, I've been put under pressure and I've had to come to terms a few times with God, especially about the way I'm worshiping him. Maybe, maybe it's been COVID. How many of you have been worried about COVID? Um, the reality of living in these days, the understanding um, that the word at times uh, seems a bit far off. Have you, have you felt far off from Christ? Anybody be honest enough to say that? Have you been busy enough to be far off from Christ? I have been. See, I, I've missed at times the holy, holy, holy See, I don't, I don't know about you, but I've felt that, that the wind in my sails for Christmas um, kind of died down a bit. I, I feel like a boat sometimes on the North Sea with no wind blowing at all. The wind out of my sails, the incessant announcement that Christmas could be tailored back by the current guidelines, the, the news media scare tactics put forth about Omicron, the new variant we know little of, uh, all of it has made me a bit frustrated. Have you felt that way? I, um, I've had a hard time listening to people on the media who I watched a year ago create debacle after debacle after debacle only to come to the conclusion that we should trust them and what they say. Well, no, it's not it at all. See, it's interesting, I read a BBC article yesterday and it, it, it heightened, maybe, maybe we should take a, take a break from the news media, but it heightened my um, kind of sense of oh, frustration and angst a bit. Um, and Mr. Swinney said that there's a danger that the virus overwhelming the public and private services, but then he hoped a restricted Christmas would not happen. Restricted Christmas? Restricted Christmas? See, this is a far cry from the psalmist, isn't it? Who declared that God's followers give praise. They speak of worth. They give examples of power. Restricted Christmas. Can you imagine somebody having the audacity to, to or, or, or better yet, a political entity saying they can control and restrict the outcome of Christmas? To some extent, it's quite funny. It actually should make us laugh. You see, I've learned that, that God is not controlled. How many can give me an amen for that one? Amen. Like some plastic little figurine that we take down off the shelf and we play with and go, oh, you're such a kind God. You're such a good God. Okay, well done. And we set them off to the side. This is not our God. See, Paul writes to the Corinthians, for through him we live, and though in him we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does we demolish the arguments of every pretension that sets itself up against what? The knowledge of who God is. Restrict Christmas? I'm sorry. Not for the Christians. We will follow Christ. And we will take every thought captive and obedient to him. Why? Because he set himself aside. He left Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty to come to earth for you and for me. Is he not worthy? 
Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Nathan, are you telling me that people and arguments set themselves up against God? Sure, they do all the time. Ever talk to anybody at the store? Ever had a conversation about Jesus Christ with somebody? You don't think there's pretensions in that? See, turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. I'm going I'm to pick it up. Because when we talk about political entities trying to snuff out the government, well, we're drawn right back to the story of Bethlehem, aren't we? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard about this and was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him, and when he called together all the people and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. We all know the story. They told him in Bethlehem. Now verse 7. Then Herod called to the Magi secretly. He found out the exact time the star had appeared. See, there's something going to happen here. There's some kind of political snuffing out of this king of glory that's coming. And 12. The Magi were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. They returned to their own country a different route. What routes are we going to take this Christmas? Where are we going? Where are we going to be led? Who are we going to trust? Are you going to trust the media? <laughs> if you'll take notice, Matthew firstly is saying that Jesus is the Messiah, but also that Christmas is a threat to ruling parties, namely Herod, a pretension. And with this pretense is the secret plan to snuff out the messianic existence of a potentially powerful king who will rightly put himself at odds with the political power of the day. Sound familiar? Notice the threat. God initiates a plan. He manifests the plan to those who are looking for it. And then he gives a warning about the plan so that the plan will not be thwarted. In this instance, what's the warning? Well, quite literally, there is a false king and there is a false ideology that wants the worship. Are you going to give it to him? Who will be the object of your worship this Christmas? Will fear be the object of your worship? Especially when we are told in the scriptures to the shepherds, the angels said what? Fear not. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Afraid of what? We've been gathering together since May. Afraid of what? I want to talk about three things. First is God's personhood. Three things. His personhood. God is the king of glory. And when we come back to the holy, holy, holy moment, we need to realize this, that the one who is sitting at the right hand of God the Father on the throne is Jesus Christ, who was born and came incarnate into a manger to come and live and die and die on a cross quite cruelly for you and for me. It's his personhood that we find our name. What do I call you periodically? I call you what? Christian. Christian. Little Christs. 
So let me ask you the question, do you bear the resemblance of the little Christ? Are we truly, as a church, willing to lay down our lives for the sake of God's glory? So that we cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. See, we'll never be satisfied in this world. You will never be satisfied. You will fear and you will live in fear and you will never be satisfied until you discover that God's purpose is that he would get the glory in your life no matter what takes shape, no matter what you go through, no matter how much pain and loss you experience. Guess what? He is there. He is able. He loves you. He comes alongside of you and he gets the glory. He gets the glory. Not you and I. Not the government. Not the city councils. Nobody. Except Jesus Christ. And he's got the power. And I want to say this. If you are, if you are new to the Church of Scotland, how many of you are Scottish? Let's... Hey, yeah, I'm Scottish, you know. How many of you? Raise your hands if you're Scottish. I'm going to read something over you if you're Scottish, all right? This is the Scottish catechism about what your life exists for. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Can I get an amen from a Scottish person, please? <laughs> God's power. Oh, and yet we live in fear. Fear of what? Fear, fear, fear because a, a news article bested me yesterday? I started to rehash all this. Oh, no, we're going to lose Christmas. And when I read Restricted Christmas, something in me just went, like, I can restrict God. Like the government can restrict Jesus. He's been besting governments for 2,000 years. See, if we want to be true to Christ in our, in our kind of ethos and we want to glorify him, then we need to glorify him. And I want to suggest to you that he is all-powerful. He's not partially powerful. He's not like the little God we can put in the figurine on the side. He is fully God, fully powerful. The stability and productivity of the earth are grounded in him and through him and for him. So fear of trivial things that will come and go. I can remember at one point in time in history, my grandfather telling me, yeah, we were fearful of Hitler. Well, guess what? He came and he what? Bye. I, I, I want to I draw your attention to something. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. And I want to... I want to break in three little things here. Romans 11, in the context of doxology, doxa coming to the Greek word praise, for, for from him and through him and for him are all things. Now, I like, I like eisegeting the text. You can either exegete where you take out the text or you can look and isolate the text isolate the text. I think in this context, I'm going to isolate the text and actually look at it and go, okay, what does it mean? Because it's so rich for the Christian if we actually understood it and believed it and put it into practice. The word, the word that he uses um, for from him, ek, 
It, it literally comes out from, or it comes to. It's out of, out of the birth of Jesus Christ in the manger, we exist. We have our name. It's out from. You know, let me tell you something. You didn't figure out God. God figured out you and came to you because you didn't have a clue on how to find him. And God came to you because he loved you. He, He cared about you. Everything that we have, everything is from Christ Jesus. The, the, the breath you breathe, the oxygen you take in, your financial provision, the makeup of your family, the health, even the sickness that you go through. The Bible teaches it stems from him. Ek. Not ick. Ek. It comes from him. And, and, and we're going to get to this point where it comes through him. Let me share something with you. If you're a parent, how many of you are parents? Parents? Some of you got little, little ones. Some of you are like in the toddler stage. You, you, you want to kill your kids, but you haven't yet. And um, you're, you're keeping them alive because they're your grandkids eventually. And uh, I, I just want to say this. The aim is this. When you have kids is to what? Teach your children. Therefore, from you comes the source of that teaching. Ever, ever taught your children? Don't cross the street. It's a simple one, right? How about English? You're like, we're Scottish, we don't teach English, (laughs) right? See, it comes from us to them. Teach your children in the way that they should go. And what will happen? Well, they will follow you. They will follow it. See, they themselves are the beneficiaries of the teaching. Now, I know children don't always like to be taught. How many of you recognize that? Right? Don't say a word in this front row. Um, But they're still the beneficiaries of the knowledge that you give to them, even if they don't like to possess it. Ack. The second is this. It's, It's the through. It's the through Christ. On account of Christ, on, a, on account of Christ. If I want to read the verse to you again, for from him and through him, on account of Christ. He's the instrumentality of all our lives. He's the one who actually plays the fiddle of your life. He knows the tune. He puts it into motion with you. And you do this beautiful thing where you, where you become something you never could be. Because Christ came and incarnated himself as a human for you and for me. It's the reason we exist. It's the account that we have for the sake of the name we take the gospel to the nations, right? It's for the sake of the name that you exist. So that you can call yourself Christian. Everything is through him. The the Greek word is die or dia. It's where we get our word diameter. It literally means to properly across to the other side, back and forth through the way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot cross to eternity without what? Me. Literally, successfully cross to the other side. We can take it that way if we want to take it in the Greek. Dia. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Irrespective of what you believe in Christ, cut through the center of your life is Jesus. 
And he wants to come right through the center of your life. And the reality of the center of your life is your heart. That he wants to come into it. He wants to live in it. He wants you to trust him, even in the midst of COVID, by the way. Because we have lost faith as a church. We have. It's embarrassing. The world has more faith than we do. And we need to come back to this place. Why? Where we cut across the grain and we successfully cross over to the other side. And you know what? Let me, let me tell you something. Christ's desire to come and become incarnate signals a willingness to, to successfully cross time and space and eternity to be with us. Behold, the virgin sh- shall what? Shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name what? Well, they'll call his name that, but what will they call him? That's, that's the first before. You know your verses. What's the, they'll call him what? Emmanuel, God with us. <clears throat> Lastly, not only is, he from, is everything from him or through him, but we also understand that it's to him. The Greek word is ice, E-I. If we wanted to do icon, we could say the image, right? Um, image is everything, icon, you know? But it's ice. It literally means to him. It indicates the point reached or entered a place, time, purpose, result, emotion, an implying of a penetration unto a union, a particular purpose or result. Why did Jesus Christ come in the first place? Well, we're told to be the savior of the world, right? That's what he's here for. But he also gives us the motion of our lives. He gives us the ability to penetrate and live out this Christian faith and this life in a world that seems so up and down. Have you felt up and down lately? Have you felt like, gosh, I can never get my feet on solid ground? Maybe speaking of non-solid ground. When I was a child, I played ice hockey. I loved the sport. Um, And when I grew up uh, as a kid, I had a coach named Coach Kruger. The only reason I bring him up is because his son and I became friends on Facebook, and and I I saw a picture of him, and I'm like, my gosh, this guy never ages. He's like like 80, 85, and he looks like he's 50. I'm like, you look younger than me. And, And I was like, wow. But you know what he taught us? He taught us when we skate, fluidity and motion. He told me to, to pick up the puck. And the way that we, that we caused other teams confusion was the way in which we used our ability to skate. That we would work in conjunction with each other in unity. That we could work in unity and get behind the defense of the other team. The goal and the purpose was the same every single time with every drill we, we, we ran. It was to put the puck in the back of the net. The goal was always the same. It never changed. It never wavered. It never lost. Uh, it never got lost in the in the in the political dialogue of the day. It it never got lost ever. There was one purpose and one mind to go and score the goal. How about Christ? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But what is the goal? The goal is to bring him glory and honor and worship, to make his name renowned among the nations, to share with our neighbors who, quite frankly, need our help this year, but they won't admit it. Amen? 
Have you gotten your energy bills lately? Do you feel good? Well, they don't feel good either. You have answers that they don't have. See, God brings us together in our worship. And I want to read this to you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is Revelation chapter 4, bringing us back to this text that becomes so vital for you and me at this time of year. Why? Because it signals a time in which Jesus Christ was on the throne. And if we're, if we're, we're working in the chronology of time, Jesus left the throne He came as a babe in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes as a sign to you and to me. But he didn't stay there. He grew up as a man. He died on the cross. He rose according to the scriptures on the third day. And if you believe this, the Bible says you will be saved. You will partake in what the angels declared, that he would be the savior of the world. And now he's in heaven again. At the right hand of God the Father. That is theology. That is truth. He is right there at the right hand of God the Father, ruling and reigning over the world. So you don't have to fear anymore. You don't have to worry anymore. You you don't have to hide anymore. Why? Because God is on the throne again. And, And this is what they're doing in heaven. You want to know what your loved one is doing when they leave this earth and they depart? This is what they're doing. They're enjoying fully without ever getting tired, without ever worrying, without ever having fear. They're worshiping. And I don't even know what that's going to be like, but it is pretty amazing because John says to us this, when the four living creatures give glory, honor, thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, they cry out, holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. When I became a Christian, I really had a hard time finding Christian music that kind of reminded me of the music I lived in the secular world. But I found this one song. And it, it, it's kind of like, you know, they had the guitars and they played really like, and it was, and you know what? It was really cool because it was, it was, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And I would just dance around the house and yeah. You know why? Because I had engaged and become a Christian and knew who he was. Remember that song, Mom? Yeah, you know, don't, don't tell anybody. Um, and, and the reality is I was just excited. Why? Because I had an encounter. Why? With the living God. I was joining with the angels and the, and the four living creatures and who, those who sit saying, oh, he lives forever and ever. The 24 elders. I don't even, the 24 elders. Pretty amazing. Probably the tribes of the tribes of Jacob and the 12 apostles, and they're continually worshiping the Lord. You know, how exciting is that? And they say this, you are worthy, our Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Because you created all things. You created all things. This is where we go back to Romans 11. All things were created from him, through him, and to him, but you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. You don't have to fear anymore. You don't have to walk around isolated from everybody else. Why? Because somebody told you 
that somehow you're going to get something. Let me tell you something. You might. I, I, I'm going to close with something that I, I wrote the other day, and I, I, think it, I think it was inspired. Maybe not. You can tell me. <laughs> you, you will tell me, won't you, Keith? Um, <laughs> This is, this is true accountability at Downfield, Mains. Um, I, I was sitting here watching all these news articles and so forth, and I, and I realized something. Christians really aren't much different than the world. We just really aren't. We're so indoctrinated to the point where we just don't even function like them. Where we do function like them. We actually act like them. We worry like them. So that we don't look any different to our neighbor who's sitting there going, gosh, I wish, I wish that Christian actually acted like a Christian or what I think a Christian should be. But I thought it was interesting. The real problem with the church is, is that it's secularistic. The way we act suggests that we no longer believe in the one thing we need to believe in, right? We, we, we talk about Advent, we talk about Christianity, we talk about like Christ's coming, but the way we act suggests that we no longer really believe in the resurrection of the dead more than any theoretical concept. For this reason, the church is susceptible to fear, especially those who completely rely on the medical realm to solve your problem, solve your solution. Now, hear me. I love the medical realm, and I'm grateful for our NHS. Absolutely. And I'm proud of those who work in it. But it cannot save you because one day, I will tell you this, I will die. And I don't know what it will be from, but it will happen. And it won't be because the NHS couldn't do it. It's the reality that we will all die. So it has nothing to do with this, but if we put our trust only and solely in the medical realm, you will not find the solution you're looking for. Now, should we applaud our caregivers? Absolutely. Should we love them? Yes. Should we, should we honor them? Yes. Should we think about them? Yes. Should we pray for them? Yes. Should we, should we continue to bless them for all the hard work they do? Yes, because they sacrifice and they show the love of Christ. But let me tell you something. I don't rely, I don't find my being inside of them. Can I get an amen with that? Maybe not. See, the Christian eschaton says, if we die, we live. Or as Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? In contrast to the secular eschaton, which does not exist. Why? Because to die is to end. Ultimately, what we're facing are two philosophies that shape the current pandemic. Now, That gets a bit controversial, doesn't it? And some of you are like, I don't like this sermon. Others of you are like, this is a great sermon. And there is no way to find this. It's very hard to find a middle ground. Trust me, I've been trying to do it for two years. But let me tell you this. If we come back to anything, we come back to this, that Christ himself created all things. And by your will, by God's will, they created and they have their being. And let me tell you over your own life, 
You were created by God to bring him glory and to bring him honor. You were also created by God to bring him your trust. So whatever you're going through in life, illness, sickness, worry, mental health, whatever it is, I can assure you this, that it has not escaped the notice of the creator who loves you and died for you and and laid down his life so that you might be healed. And I wanna pray for that today. See, I I understand that as we go into this Christmas season, and I, I, I will say this, I will not stop worshiping Christ. Christ will not be restricted to me. I will not find anything that the government says or does as restrictive because I will worship Christ no matter what happens. I will not stop. Are you happy with that? And I, I, I might be speaking out of turn. I probably am. Most of you would say, yes, you are, of course, especially. But, but, but why would we close our, our, our gathering together? Why would we ever do that? We are the believers. We are the one place at Christmas where people run to. They need us. We, we can't close. We will be together. And if that's one or two or five or 10 or 100 or 150 or 200, we'll be together. We are going to be together. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Some of you are like, all right. If you're, if you're afraid right now, because I'll tell you this, I've been having these weird flutters in my heart. I've been experiencing chest pain probably because of the stress of the season. But if you're fearful, if you're fearful, just let's, let's go to prayer and let's, by, by the sake of our volition, that means you're afraid that something you might do or someone might, might cause a problem or something's going on. We need to bring those things to Jesus Christ. And I want to bring them to them. I, I closed early so that we could spend time in prayer for this. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't go a full sermon so that we could actually spend time in worship. And if you're struggling and you are struggling with fear, I believe that God wants to take that down in your life. And I believe today is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. This is what he's doing. And you know what? You can live this Christmas season. You can live next year, 2022, without fear or without the fear that cripples you. And so if you're struggling with fear, we don't need to be embarrassed of that because I'll be honest. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I've struggled with fear. It periodically tries to, to re-ensnare me all the time. And I don't want to live that way. But I believe that if we go to Jesus Christ and we lay down our burdens Right? And we lay down our cares and our concerns. He will, he will answer our prayers. He will meet our concerns. Why? Because he cares for us. It's that simple. So if you're struggling with fear, you don't need to leave this place continually feeling like I'm embarrassed because I am in fear. You should be. Everything in our society has been pushing you that direction for two years. You should live in fear or you should feel like you live in fear. I think if you don't live in fear, you you might be the most profound Christian I know. (laughs) But if you're struggling with fear, lift your hand to the Lord. You know, we're gonna pray, and I wanna bow your heads, just let's pray. 
Let's pray. God hears our hearts. He knows what's going on. If you have an inkling of fear in your life, God wants to meet you there. I deal with this all the time. People come up fearful about various things all the time. So I know it's real, God. Lord, we we just lift this to you. We know it's real. And yet the angel of the Lord said, fear not. So Father, we pray right now that you would break off fear in our lives. And if you have your hand up to the Lord, if you have your hand up to the Lord, I I want you, if if you're sitting around somebody, just... Just extend your hand towards that person. Why? Because we, have, we need each other. We're unified. I couldn't have made it down the ice rink without my, my fellow players. We have to work together. And, and the Lord wants to break that off. But just, just, just extend your hand towards them and pray for them. Pray over them. Give, them. give them your heart. Say, I'm standing in the gap for my brother or my sister. I pray. Father, we pray that you would break off fear, God. You tell us to fear not 365 times in the, in the Bible, Lord. 365 a, a day, every day you tell us don't fear, and yet we fear. So, Father, we pray you would forgive us for that sin. Lord, you, you liken fear to sin, God, in the scriptures. And, Father, we, we, we know that, God, the effectual prayer of a righteous person avails a lot And so, Father, we pray right now that you would break off fear, that you would come in peace. Father, this is the candle of peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace of Christ, the peace that he said, peace I give you, peace I leave you, as he went to his Father. Not the the peace like the world has, but, but real peace, eternal peace, a peace that you know in your heart that no matter what happens... God is going to meet you there. So, Father, we pray for that. We ask, God, that you would, we extend our hands to heaven and we ask, Father, for this. We need it. We pray against uh, the media that says you should fear this or fear that. Lord, all their goal and aim is is to sell more papers. Father, we pray against that in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that you would give us a heart of understanding and that we would gain wisdom as you tell us in your scriptures, Father. That we would be a people of praise as the psalmist declared out. Father, that we would worship you and declare your worth to everyone we meet. Lord, that we would declare it in our families, that we would declare it to each other, in our marriages, to our children, to the neighbor, to the, to the person in the store, Father, we have the peace that surpasses understanding because it, it, it is embedded in you, God. Father, we pray you break off fear. Break it off, Lord. Father, I pray you break off loneliness in Jesus' name. I pray you break off isolation, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would break off sickness in Jesus' name. Father, you created all things, and by your will they exist. And we thank you for this morning, Lord, this Advent season, Lord, as we, as we embed and go towards Christmas, as we, as we do the run-up, Father, would you be with us, God, in a new way? Would you give us, would you lighten our load, God? Would you break off 
break off the pain that we carry. We lift it to you, God. We, we give it to the cross in Jesus' name.